As the trumpet judgments of Revelation 9 unfold, we see some of the scariest looking creatures described in all the Bible. Judgment that you don't want to face. Judgment that can be avoided if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't want to be here on this day. As we get into this chapter, you'll see why. It's Revelation 9, it's the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments, and it's today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. And now, here's part three of Revelation 9, the fifth and sixth trumpets. Joel 1.6 says, For a nation has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are like the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. Joel 1.6. They, the locusts, had hair like the hair of women. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. What in the world is going on with this particular locust? I mean, come on, man. So I thought of another movie. Terry, if you can help me out from the back. Here's the closest that I can get to give you an image of what this description is like. This is Indiana Jones, the original movie. And if you go to the next slide, this is what happens to these. Uh, what they, they look like beautiful creatures when they first come out of the ark. If you remember, you guys, if you haven't seen this movie, this is must-see movie. Uh, this is, this is a, a wonderful movie. Um, not all theologically correct, but do you remember when they opened the ark, uh, these angel-like creatures come out and the one guy says, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the music starts and <laughs> they get ugly quick and people's faces start melting and people's heads start exploding. And I'm not kidding. It's fantastic movie making. And Indiana Jones says to his girlfriend, close your eyes, don't look at it. Ah! <laughs> Uh, anyway, there you go. They survive. The Nazis are no more. So there you go. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it later on. Now, they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron, verse 9. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. Now, how literal are we to take this language? Some people say, well, maybe this describes an invading army and apocalyptic imagery. And our preterist friends would say, it's the Roman army. And while I can't, uh, they would say, I can't argue for every single uh, piece of this. I think it's just apocalyptic imagery at the fall of Jerusalem. That's what they say. But others who look at the uh, imagery for what it is, look at where they come out of. They come out of where? The bottomless pit. Look at the description of them. I think that many who hold a futurist view would say that these are demons. There's some sort of demonic spirit that is let loose during the day of the Lord. And notice what it goes on to say. They have tails like scorpions, verse 10, and stings. And in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss, his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, or Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name Apollyon, 
or Apollyon. Apollyon. Um, you'll notice in uh, Proverbs 30, verse 27, the Bible says that locusts have no king. Proverbs 30, verse 27, yet they march in ranks. Here, these weird creatures have a king over them. Who is their king? Note it. He is the what? The angel of the abyss. Their king is an angel. The locusts are not literal locusts, nor do they seem to be the Roman army or any other human army for that matter. Their king is an angel. And he's the angel of the abyss. And he's come out to lead them, if you will, bent on destruction. 1 Peter 5.8 says the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? To devour. And maybe during this stage of the day of the Lord, he gets his ultimate wish. So his name in both Hebrew, Abaddon, and the Greek form there of Apollyon or Apollyon, both mean destroyer. His name is the destroyer. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. That's what he does. He's a destroyer. And so he leads this weird, frightful legion of what appears to be demons. And they are bent on destruction. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Man, right here. Just everybody take a deep breath. Okay, that was, that was just one of the woes. <laughs> the first woe is past. Now the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Some believe this is actually the voice of God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So now these angels who are bound, at, there are four of them, they're bound at the river Euphrates, are going to be loosed. They're going to be released. Um, there is a verse later on in the book of Revelation that talks about the drying up of the Euphrates. We'll get there in a second. But as that did happen in history, uh, the drying up the, of the Euphrates, I believe, if I recollect correctly, it was the Persian army that did that as they descended upon Babylon to destroy Babylon. That was a, a tactic. So, but here, are they, these four angels are there. They've been prepared, verse 15, for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Notice the meticulous sovereignty of God. It's the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Precise timing. They were released so that they might kill a third of mankind. Now, we haven't seen death come in this trumpet, the fifth trumpet, but now we're going to see man die. Man has experienced torment. He's experienced, can you imagine just the physical and psychological torment of having to deal with this kind of situation? Whatever all the final details of it are, it had to have to be a frightening time. Now these four angels get released, and now they are on a killing spree. The number of the armies of the horsemen that are going to come forth from this release was 200 million. If this is a literal number, it cannot be the Roman army, by the way. The Roman army did not field 200 million and was not able to bring those kind of numbers. John says, I heard the number of them. In our own history, though, Mao Zedong uh, did say that there was a Chinese army, an army from China. He boasted that could be 200 million. And this is where Hal Lindsey and other 
famous prophecy writers of the past said they believed the kings of the earth were China, that they could field an army of 200 million, and this is what it was talking about. But east is not typically east of the U.S. It's east of what? Of Israel. Israel is the center point when you look at these kinds of prophecies. So if you think of countries to the east of Israel, you're thinking about the probably the right countries, which would be Persia or Iran. Uh, you would have Babylon or modern-day Iraq. You would have areas like that. If you keep going up to the north, then you're getting into the area of Russia. And so I heard the number of them, 200 million. I ask you, is that a literal number? Is it symbolic? If it is symbolic, what does it mean exactly? It doesn't mean a whole lot of a whole lot of a whole lot. <laughs> or is it 200 million? Again, this is where all the debates come from. Skip over to Revelation 16, verse 12. We have to move quickly because we're going to quickly run out of time. Revelation 16, 12 says these words. The sixth angel poured out, 16, 12, out his bowl. The bowls and the trumpets will match each other. Upon the great river, the Euphrates. Its water was dried up that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. And we'll, when we get there, we'll talk about what they do to impact the world. But we'll go back to Revelation 9 to finish up. So here's what we have. We have this release now of more that's going to trouble mankind and kill mankind. This is how I saw 917 in the vision, the horses and those who sat upon them. The riders had brass, breastplates the color of fire and of hyacinth, could be deep blue or reddish black, and of brimstone. The heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. Now, if you've read books that have been written by prophecy writers who are futurists, some of them have argued that the locusts are helicopters that the other descriptions of the horses are like tanks. And I would say no tanks. Anyway, never mind. Uh, apparently that wasn't very good. But I, yeah, anyway, tanks or no tanks. When I was in India, uh, they didn't say H's. So it was, thank you, Lord. But anyway, and so there are people who say, oh, well, John wouldn't have known what a helicopter was like. So a dragonfly kind of looks like a helicopter. Maybe a, a locust does too. And maybe these creatures that John is trying to describe with fire and brimstone coming out of tails and mouths and stuff is modern equipment in some sort of battle happening between armies of mankind. Well, whatever this is, and I'm going to argue that this is much like the locust, it seems to be demonic in nature. A third of mankind, verse 18, was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone, which proceeded out of their mouths. Would you note it? A third of mankind. Now, how many people are on the planet right now? Seven billion? Probably close to seven billion. So if the rapture has occurred, let's just take modern numbers. How many people get raptured? 144,000. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So let's say... Uh, would you say a third of the world's Christians, we hope? Okay, so let's just say, for the sake of argument, two billion Christians go at the rapture. So let's just say that there's four billion people left. A third of four billion is over a billion people. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. So if the rapture has occurred, let's just take modern numbers. How many people get raptured? 144,000. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So let's say, uh, would you say a third of the world's Christians, we hope? Okay, so let's just say for the sake of argument, 2 billion Christians go at the rapture. So let's just say that there's 4 billion people left. A third of 4 billion is over a billion people. Can you imagine... You know, we, we hear of a natural disaster, we hear of a war, we hear of the Mexico earthquake, and when we hear hundreds of people died, when we, when we know that 9-11 killed over 3,000 people, that's, that's a tragedy. Any death is a tragedy. Can you imagine trying to do funerals for over a billion people? Can you imagine what the burials would look like? Can you imagine people reeling and trying to deal with the fallout? I mean, this is staggering. The death toll would be absolutely staggering. There'd be nothing ever seen like this. The power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. Now, all of you who are Christians, just say, praise the Lord, because I don't want to meet one of these creatures in a back alley. (laughs) No, no, no. No, thank you. I don't even like dealing with a garden snake. Can I get a witness? I don't like snakes, scorpions, spiders, bears, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. None of them. (laughs) Sobering. Now, you would think at this point, the people left on the planet, let's say that there's a couple billion left, would drop to their knees and say, oh, God. I'm so sorry that I ignored you all this time. Keep in mind, these people have had every opportunity to receive the gospel. We'll see an angel in mid-heaven proclaiming the everlasting gospel. The gospel has been preached everywhere. They would not respond. But here's what they do. The rest of mankind, verse 20. Mankind, by the way, the rest of mankind is anthropos, anthropos. It's where we get the, the idea of anthropology. The rest of mankind. It doesn't say the rest of Israel. It doesn't say the rest of the people who were in Jerusalem at the fall at AD 70. It says, what does your your Bible say? The rest of mankind, anthropos. The rest of humanity worldwide who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as to not worship what? Demons? And the idols of gold and silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And I would add in my own notes and cannot save. They wouldn't stop worshiping demons. And now guess what they got? This is the ultimate irony. 
they got to meet some demons face to face. Oh, you wanted to worship them? Oh, did, did you think that there was a, a special black arts that you could practice in the occult where you wanted to get in touch with the spirit guides and the spirit beings because it's exciting what kind of power they could bring to you? Did you think that they would, they would bring you to green pastures and still waters? I don't think so. You don't want to mess with that dark side because you have no idea what you're messing with. And when they get a look at a demon face to face, it isn't pretty. In Deuteronomy 32, Moses says, they sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods, small g, whom they had not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Over and over again, Israel would not repent of idolatry. And Paul says, when you worship an idol, if there's anything behind an idol, it's what? It's a demon. It's demonic in nature. There is a spiritual battle going on. And so they wouldn't repent. End of chapter 9, verse 21, they did not repent of their murders. 21, their sorceries. By the way, sorceries is a word originally that is pharmakeos, or chaos, where we get pharmacist. It has a connection to drug use, by the way, because many ancients would take some sort of drug that they thought got them in touch with the gods, with a small g. They wouldn't repent of their murders, their sorceries, their immorality. I don't even need to talk to you about immorality tonight because you all know what's going on there, nor of their thefts. They wouldn't repent of any of it. And the Bible says, repent and believe the good news. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Bible says that Paul went about preaching repentance and faith in the book of Acts. What does repentance simply mean? It means to turn to God, stop trying to do it in your own way. And even here, as these people face all of this stuff, the Bible says they would not repent. That's why I would say to you that once the day of the Lord begins, there's going to be, you won't see any stories of repentance. There are none. That window closes at the seventh seal. So here's a consideration. Were the plagues of the Exodus literal? Would you, would you say yes? yes? I would. Yes. So take that connection and put it to the book of Revelation and just start to Maybe add that to as you wrestle with the book. I want to close with what happened in J.R. Tolkien's novel. Do you know who ended up in the battle for, for Middle Earth? Do you know how it ended? Do you know who actually overcame evil? The one who dealt with the Nazgul and these weird, you know, kings that were riding them was a woman. Her father was a king. He got crushed by his horse and he lay dying. And this weird dragon creature was going to come and feast on his flesh. And basically the king said, don't stand between the animal and, you know, what it wants to eat. No man can kill me. And she took off her helmet and said, I am no man. I think her name is Eowyn, Eowyn, something like that. And remember, she deals the death blow to this king. It was a woman. And do you remember who actually... When the story is all over, we're the heroes of the story. A couple of little hobbits. 
who hung in there and not without a lot of pain and misery and dealt with the ring of power. Two little short guys and a woman. (laughs) See, sometimes we think, what can I do? We read a chapter like Revelation 9 and we go, I don't know what the application is for me. What part do I have in the grand story of salvation? What can I do? You know, the hobbits looked at one another when the story was unfolding and they said, what can we do? We're going to go back to the Shire. What can we do against such forces of evil? And one of the hobbits looks at the other and says, there may not be a Shire to go back to. We're here. This is what we've been called to do, to do our part in the grand story of salvation. That's what Tolkien's novel was about. Oh, the forces of evil are dark and they look menacing and powerful, but don't underestimate what God can do with your life. Just say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things that Jesus said is, occupy until I come. While it is day, work, because nobody can work at night. And of course, we know that as we get into Revelation 9, it's the day of the Lord. And so there's no believers here that are left. Now is the time to use your life in service of the king. To say, Lord, here I am with all my faults, all my shortcomings. If you can use a guy or a gal like me, use me. Pray that prayer every day. You'd be amazed at what God can do when you just raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord, send me. He'll do a mighty work in your life. I want to encourage you to keep yourself open, keep your heart open to the work of the Holy Spirit every day. This is how we redeem our time for the kingdom of God. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. I'm excited to let you know that we have something new for you, our team at Walk in Truth. And uh, you may or may not know that Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, California, where I get the honor and privilege of serving as senior pastor. One of the great brothers in our congregation with a great big pastoral heart is a man named Paul Hicks. He's been writing daily devotionals for a couple of years now, uh, every single day ministering to hundreds of people. I'm personally blessed by these devotionals. And you have an opportunity as a family member of Walk in Truth, as a partner of Walk in Truth, to subscribe to these devotionals and receive them to help you get a step closer in your walk with the Lord. Simply text the words, step closer to 33222. Now that's all one word. Again, it's step closer and you text 33222. Step closer as one word, 33222. Thanks for joining us in this walk for accessing the devotional. I know that all of us are busy, and it's just great to have quick access to the Word of God, get a little short teaching to start your day. I would encourage you, especially if you haven't been in your Bible regularly, this is a great way to get started, and it's right there accessible for you. Now, friend, you're invited to our Wednesday night service this week. Worship begins at 7, and it's actually a very special event this week. My son Shane Lance is here to tell you all about it. I wanted to take a moment to invite you to a really cool event that we have coming up called A Journey to Him. This event is an opportunity for our high school students and young adult students to put on a performance where they get to use the talents that God has given them, such as poetry and spoken word, original music, dance, 
and uh, even some painting is going to be happening. And these acts and performances are going to be used to display the way that God has redeemed each one of their lives. And it's going to be a great time to just get together with a body of believers and just celebrate the things that God has done in our life. So that's a journey to him, July 31st at 7 p.m. or August 4th at 6.30 p.m. Again, this Wednesday night is a free special event at 7. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. If you'd like to stay updated on all the church activities and information, then download our app. You can go to the App Store, search for Living Truth. You'll see the red logo with the pillars. Again, search for Living Truth in your App Store, and you'll be able to keep up to date on all that's going on at this great church. We'll come back again tomorrow because we're going to begin the teaching in Revelation 10 called Bittersweet. You know, I named it that because as we look at the end times, it is bittersweet. We know the wrapping up of the age is going to be sweet because it's going to lead in to the millennial reign of Christ when the perfect comes, the beautiful time of the golden age. We're all looking so forward to that when the curse will be reversed and death will be no more. Yet at the same time, it's bitter because we know that when the judgment falls on the unbelieving, unrepentant world, it's going to be sad and and hard and tragic. That's why this is called bittersweet. So until next time, I want you to get ready to tune into the teaching in Revelation 10. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. We'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. God bless you. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.